for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. How quickly the week goes, but how slowly and well we hope the weekend goes. How are we going? It's Friday, TGIF, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to mine. I don't know what you're up to, but I hope you're going to make the most of it. And uh, don't waste them. We only get a finite amount of weekends in our lifetime. And again, I spoke to a man the other day and in his uh, 80s, and he said to me, the one thing he regretted was not doing enough with his weekends. So there you go. I'm going to take that on board, and I'm going to make a conscious effort to do more with mine. I hope you do with you as well. I hope you do that as well. Okay, we're going to talk to imminently. We're going to talk to the wonderful Gemma Cooper. We've got the Aussie Cossack coming on a little bit later as well. It's Friday. What does that mean? That means we're going to be talking to Omar Khan, global consultant to the stars and uh, a bunch of others who I shall uh, let you know imminently. I just got an updated run sheet and didn't have time to print it off. So uh, I'll let you know after the next break. Um, Something that I would love to chat about. And yes, I hope you're sitting down because I am going to say it. I miss Anastasia Palaszczuk. Yes, you didn't hear that wrong. I've always talked about a perspective, yeah? Well, what happens if you get rid of someone who's really, really bad, but their replacement is even worse? Stephen Miles, he's that guy. He's absolutely that guy. He makes her look like a saint. He makes her look like a climate skeptic. Almost. This guy is absolutely ludicrous. I can't believe it. We were warned. I was talking to uh, author of Dan Andrews Unmasked, Jeff Shaw, yesterday, and he told us, he said, this guy's worse, way worse. And uh, it's all coming to the fore. And let me read you a couple of things that may put things into the perspective that will accurately let you gauge the worth or non-worth of one Mr. Stephen Miles, the 40th. Premier of Queensland. Now, Queensland, I don't get it. Queenslanders are smart. Queenslanders make far better decisions at the ballot box than any other state in Australia. We saw it with a referendum. It was the highest no vote in the country. And significantly, notably, they are smarter up there. But at the end of the day, they've had a Labor government when other states had Liberal. I know, go figure. And they had Anastasia Palaszczuk. But no, it gets worse. The good news, if I want to jump forward, is it's very unlikely Stephen Miles will uh, enjoy another term post the next election. In fact, some people would argue that is why Anastella, uh, Anastasia Palaszczuk left. I disagree because that wouldn't have been the case for Dan Andrews. He was rock solid and certainly in there for a while. He'd only just got re-elected. We could also argue that of those in Western Australia, those in South Australia. And only the ACT, the only state or territory as it is actually, uh, the only one that have has not got rid of one of their COVID era, era people who basically ran the show, ran us into the ground, in, had all the mandates happening and certainly incurred, uh, encouraged you to go and get injected. Absolutely horrendous. Oh, sorry, I'm trying to read and talk at the same time. I shouldn't do that. Um, so it is horrendous what's going on. Stephen Miles, he's a guy, he's an absolute believer in this whole climate fraud. I'm going to read you a couple of things that may uh, uh, lead you to the same opinion that I now have. Uh, Leading Queensland environment groups had called for a target of 90% emissions reductions by 2035. And now while ERT remains short of this amount, 75%, in fact, it sets the floor for this federal ambition 
And they're going to keep that going up in Queensland. This guy is absolutely one that by 2035 would like to reduce emissions by, I kid you not, by up to 90%. That is unrealistic. It's going to cost an absolute fortune to prove it's not real. And until we go broke, they'll keep proving it or until we wake up to ourselves. Now, you could argue that uh, Queensland will be going probably to a conservative government to the other side of the duopoly at the next election. But I ask you this, is there any difference post-COVID? I can't see any difference. There used to be a discernible difference, even though we knew basically when it came to the major issues, mass immigration, yes, climate change and other things, uh, they kind of were in lockstep. But when it comes to, to spending our money, and doing all the things that will do tremendous irreversible harm. Again, they have shown their true colours that they are indeed one group and why we have not yet figured that out and gone to people like Pauline Hanson, gone to people like Clive Palmer, who have offered us far better solutions, who actually have policies that may combat this nonsense. But um, I'm just going to read you a bit more anyway. Uh, as the climate warms, Queensland is a home to frontline communities who are most at risk. This is uh, Stephen Miles saying this, of course, and uh, increased frequency of severity of extreme weather events like bushfires, droughts, floods, heat waves and cyclones. Now, when I say, you know, bushfires, droughts, floods, heat waves and cyclones, now they call that climate change. I call that Australia. That's how we are. And from state to state, from season to season and from decade to decade, we are cyclic. We have these events happen. But no, this guy's going to use those as an excuse to send us all broke. He believes it and he's going to send Queensland broke. So if you think you're doing OK in debt up in Queensland and you're far better off than, let's say, New South Wales or Victoria, get ready for a big surprise. Now, the funny thing is he's quoted a bunch of experts and all of these experts are all on one side of the argument as one might imagine dr jennifer rayner head of the advocacy for climate change council said queensland is stepping up into a game to cut carbon pollution under premier stephen miles this is another welcome sign that australia's states are building to the moment to the momentum that we are well underway to cut harmful carbon pollution carbon good thing people not bad it's actually quite good uh this is the kind of race that we need and they've got just the person to do it and i just absolutely can't believe that um we've got somebody worse than anastasia palaszczuk but it's okay we do have an imminent election up in queensland and queensland again are the smartest voters in australia so he'll be gone he'll be out the door but what damage is he going to do before we get there? That is the simple case. And I really have no idea where it's all going to end. Uh, we're going to talk to Gemma Cooper after this break. Getting straight to the facts. Enough with the lies. We need facts. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hey, Gemma, I did have a little stinger I was supposed to read there, but it was lost in a mountain of paper. How are you going, my dear? Well, it's Friday, Dean. It is Friday. So, yeah, it's that Friday feeling, although we're still bringing you the news from around the world. But, yeah, looking forward to the weekend very much indeed. Yeah, absolutely. What's happening over in, in the UK? What breaking news can you share with us? Well, this story is everywhere in the UK this morning, and it really is an illustration, I think, of the split that is um, in society at the moment and the split that has got wider over the last 
three and a half years. Um, it's a story about a family, but I really do think it's a microcosm of where we are in society now. And it is dominating the UK front pages. It's dominating everything online. Um, a 16-year-old boy who was allegedly kidnapped by his mother and grandfather when he was 11 years old and taken to live an alternative lifestyle in Spain has been found wandering by the side of the road near the French Pyrenees and is on his way back to the UK to be re reunited with his grandmother, who is actually his legal guardian, and the rest of his relatives, his aunts and things like that. Now, this was a big story in the UK when it happened. It was Alex Beatty, or Alex Batty. He went on holiday with his mum, Melanie, and his granddad, David, in 2017, and he never came back. He was only 11 wow. years old at the time. Uh, and his grandma and legal guardian said at the time, uh, she said it in 2018, while the, the hunt was still kind of going on for him, not a hunt as such, but, you know, he didn't come back. He was yeah. with his mum and he was with his granddad, but his grandmother was his legal guardian. She said at the time that she believed her ex-husband and her daughter took him to pursue this off-grid alternative lifestyle in the foothills of the Pyrenees because they didn't believe in mainstream society. They wanted to, they didn't want him to go to a mainstream school. They were at odds with the way she was living her life. She said, I'm just a normal person and I do normal things and they don't agree with my lifestyle and I don't agree with theirs. So there's obviously a split. There's obviously yeah. a split in that family at that time. Now he's 16 now, this boy, and he's obviously decided he doesn't want to live in this alternative community anymore. So he left the community a few days ago of his own volition and he hiked for a few days and he was picked up in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night on Wednesday, in the early hours of Wednesday morning, in the pouring rain by a French student, a chiropractic student, uh, who saw him by the side of the road in the rain and thought, oh, he's a kid on his own, you know. <clears throat> and he took him into Toulouse, gave him his mobile phone. He texted his grandmother and said, Grandma, I love you and I, I want to come home. I want to see you. Now, there's no suggestion the kid's in a bad way. He was dressed well. He had a skateboard under his arm. He just clearly decided he'd had enough. But details are emerging of what the mainstream media are trying to portray as this alternative community here this morning in the UK. Um, and they're saying, oh, Alex's friends and the Palace he was living, it's a luxury place in Spain. It's a big luxury villa. Looks very nice. Yeah. And he said, it, they're saying they're pursuing this alternative lifestyle, immersing him in things like yoga, meditation, <laughs> rituals. They call the planet Gaia. Um, and the grandmother is quite, um, she, there's clearly a split in the family because she says, my ex-husband was always going on Facebook saying how we're in the matrix and the government is destroying our lives. And they're trying to paint the, the daughter and the grandmother dad who took this little boy yeah. out as crazy they're trying to make them out to be nut jobs you know they said that the kid was brainwashed he doesn't seem brainwashed he seems actually very normal and apparently he looks very healthy he's 16 and he's decided what do you do when you're 16 you rebel against whichever parent or primary yes. caregiver yep. is giving you that particular lifestyle so if you have a very conservative lifestyle you're likely to go the other way he's he's been raised in an alternative lifestyle he's clearly thinking I want to go the other way. It's part of your normal development as a teenager. But this story has gone everywhere. Interestingly, the student who picked him up said he's got no animosity towards his mother at all. He just wants to come back to the UK and see his gran. But the mainstream press and all the headlines, he was brainwashed. He went to live in an alternative lifestyle. No, he was with a family that clearly, clearly his mum and his granddad had their perception shift 
way before 2020 and went off, as did a lot of people, Spain and actually Morocco and those places, they're very popular for alternative communities, as is Portugal. So they 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 went off before the madness even hit. Um, and this alternative place where they're living, it looks brilliant. And the people living there seem to be thriving. It's very sustainable. Yes, they haven't sent the kid to a mainstream school, but the kid certainly has got a mind of his own and is thinking for himself. So you could argue it's all worked out fine. My instinct is he'll come back to the UK stay with his very mainstream grandma for a few weeks and then think sod this and go back to Spain that's my take on it but it's everywhere here this morning it's creating a huge amount of debate off-grid lifestyles are people crazy or are people normal I would say the the, the latter if you want to live an off-grid lifestyle fair play to you yeah I think you're right um I think it's a matter of that word I use quite often perspective I mean people that used to laugh at the doomsday preppers those that had the basement uh, who had months or possibly years worth of food stored away where they could be safe. After the last three years, some people didn't think they were so crazy. We have the Amish in America who have chosen to live as we used to live, off the land, healthy. Um, they turn away from the big pharmaceutical companies and they fared very well, in fact, far better than most people in the world after the pandemic. So again, if I want to go a little bit further, we could look at people like Tom Cruise in alternate, you know, religion, Scientology, for example. And they really, I mean, how do you say this without offending, I'm Catholic, so I may offend other Catholics, but is the fact that he believes that his leader got on a, a spaceship and came from another planet, for example, is that any more crazy than thinking that there's a, a devil with horns and a, a big pitchfork and he's a red guy who walks through flames down in hell and the other alternative? I mean, it's what you believe. I think everybody's entitled to their own beliefs. And at the end of the day, what they really don't like about Scientology is there is a bunch of money behind it, a bunch of rich, influential people, and they don't like anything that threatens the status quo. As for the Amish, I think they just don't like the fact that they're not part of their economy. So I say good on that family. If the, I think that kid's probably going to be extremely healthy, healthier than most, and uh, probably very well educated and very sound of mind. But he's in that, as you said, very rightly so, that rebellious teenage side. And if, it, if he was with the other parents or grandparents, he'd be walking away from them at the moment. And he'll go back and he'll embrace them after he finds what there is on the other side. Yeah, quite. I mean, I, I sort of think, uh, careful what you wish for, Alex. You know, you're 16, <laughs> you're clearly getting a mind of your own. You've decided to leave what looks like a very thriving, sustainable community. As as the guy who picked him up said, there's no animosity towards his mum. He just wants to change. He'll come back to the, he'll come into the matrix and he'll think, oh my goodness. And at least he'll see it for himself because he was 11 when he was taken out of it. So he won't really understand what his granddad's talking about, about the matrix, about the mainstream society. He'll see it for himself, so it's a good thing. But it's so interesting how the mainstream here, they're trying their best to portray his mum and his grandfather as crazy lunatics. And then they're looking at all the photographs they can find on Facebook and everything, but they can't. Well, it looks like a very thriving, healthy, off-grid, sustainable community. I mean, they've been living there for almost 10 years. So yeah. it, it, they're obviously doing something right. Um, and, and they can't, they, and they know, I think the mainstream absolutely know now that there are so many people wanting to do this and, and actually doing it. And I think this family, the split within this family that was obviously going on, you know, 2017, they had their split it's a microcosm it's illustration of what's going on on a global scale um and i i would love to get to sit this 
kid down and talk to him and interview him and say, look, do you really realize what you're doing? My only fear is he is 16, so he's not legally an adult yet. Once he's back in the clutches of the Matrix, the Matrix will have him. And if he does want to go back to Spain, I think it'd be more difficult for him to do that because his grandmother is his legal guardian and she clearly is very mainstream and she clearly has no truck with what her ex-husband and her daughter have done. I don't think she'll let this kid go back without a fight. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I hope you keep us abreast of what that particular situation. Um, are they just trying to portray them in a bad light at this point or are they looking at uh, legal or possible criminal uh, proceedings as well? Uh, there's no suggestion of criminal proceedings. Okay. I mean, she she is his mum and the granddad was there too. There's no safeguarding issues. The kid looked well. He looked healthy. He had a skateboard under his arm. Um, there was no, he had no animosity towards his, 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 his mother. Um, so there's no suggestion of welfare issues at all. Uh, the, the best the mainstream can come up with was that he was brainwashed wow. by his mother. He's brainwashed by his grandfather, you know, just because they wanted to do something different. Yeah. I think I mean, a lot of people will read these headlines with a raised eyebrow today. So really, at the end of the day, it's none of the media's business, probably none of ours, but we would all love to know how it pans out. And um, I hope that kid uh, turns out very well. I think he's had a good up upbringing and I think it'll uh, it'll turn out well. Gemma Cooper will join us again next hour. Thank you, Jim. And coming up after the break, we're going to talk to the Aussie Cossack. Jeremy now on TNT Radio. Being South African, I'm, I know the situation and it's incredibly dire. Basically, our farmers, mostly white, have been under attack for years and years and years. And when I say attack, I mean that physically, don't I? Yes. Um, since the dawn of democracy in South Africa, since 1994, we had an average of uh, one farm attack every second day. Um, so it averages around uh, 175 to 190 farm attacks every year. And we had a farm murder on average every fifth day. Um, but over the last few months, both those numbers have picked up. Murders in other sectors of society are not accompanied by the same levels of brutality and torture as you will find in farm murders. Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Here's a bushfire fact. Bushfires can occur without warning. So if you're traveling during bushfire season, here are three simple steps to remember. One, check the fire danger rating before you go. The higher the fire danger rating, the more dangerous the conditions. It may be safer to replan your trip. Two, think about the area you're going to and what you would do if a fire started. How would you escape the area if you needed to? And where would you go? Check if there's a neighborhood safer place. Three, it's dangerous to drive through smoke or fire. If you can't find a way to avoid the fire, park in a cleared area, face the car towards the fire and turn the engine off. Then lie on the floor and cover yourself to protect yourself from radiant heat. Live bushfire ready. For more helpful tips, visit myfireplan.com.au today. Without CO2, the world stops breathing. CO2 sustains all life on Earth. Government, the WEF, and the elite believe humans are the carbon they really want to be rid of. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. And welcome back. The Red Sea and the uh, warship deployment. 
The Greens, well, they're warning of security risks. They've got public concerns. We're going to be talking to the Aussie Cossack about that and other things, especially what might be happening up in Queensland as he has his finger on the pulse up there as well. Simeon, how are you going? Good, thank you. Situation in Queensland uh, does not look good for Queenslanders. There's no, there's no really good news to report. Uh, Premier has departed, Anastasia Palaszczuk, and of course, a new Premier has taken the reins who was not elected but selected by his uh, Labor colleagues. Now, the first, almost the first decision within hours of becoming the new Premier uh, was made to further meet uh, climate change targets and slash the potential climate use of carbon use, whatever it's called, uh, Premier Stephen Miles has got off to a cracking start in fulfilling the stereotype of a woke Labor leader. Now, problem is that uh, the election in Queensland will only be in October 2024. Now, I'm looking at the prospects for another party to take over. As anywhere in Australia, you've got Labor at the moment in power all over the place. Uh, do the Liberals have a chance? Liberal National Party, uh, they do have a chance. I mean, the bookies have got them at $1.35 for the October election, with Labor at a $3 chance. The Greens at $101, uh, Catter's Australian Party $101 to 1, and One Nation $101 to 1. Must say, it's pretty good odds for One Nation. I think it'd be great to believe or to hope that One Nation could have a chance if they get their act together. And I think they can if they make an alliance with the Greens. Now, could you imagine One Nation having an alliance with the Greens? But that's probably, sadly, what it's going to take to stop uh, the monopoly, duopoly of uh, LNP taking over from Labor. Of course, I believe that the LNP is better than Labor, uh, but it'd be great to see One Nation in power. I wonder what their strategy is and do they genuinely believe that they can make a difference? I know you have uh, One Nation Senator Roberts as a regular guest on your show, we can pose that question to them. Are they serious about winning the election? And if they are, well, what are they doing about it? Uh, because Queensland needs change. Uh, the situation in Queensland, thanks to Labor and thanks to LNP, uh, is at a crisis point with, would you believe, one in six uh, employable Queenslanders uh, actually employed by the government. So every sixth Queenslander in the workforce works for the Queensland government. You've got a public servant uh, glut in, in the state. Uh, 2.4 million people uh, make up the Queensland workforce, and 400,000 of those actually work for the government. Now, this is a, mm, this is a uh, situation which was inherited uh, by the current Queensland government. There was one premier that tried to cut back on the public servants, uh, Campbell Newman, and he was punished yeah. because you can't take the you can't take away the bread and the uh, butter from the public servants. I mean, these four hundred thousand paid public servants are a very serious force to be reckoned with, uh, because you can imagine they're all in positions of power. These uh, people who uh, are in the police, in the health, uh, in education. These are teachers. These are people that are connected to the labor unions. Uh, these are people that are in, in and around government positions, quite literally. 
And of course, when it comes to an election, that 400,000 voting block out of 2.4 million, um, which repre represents the total number of the Queensland workforce, is a, a very strong force to be reckoned with. And unless uh, someone cuts back on this, when Campbell Newman was ousted in 2015 because he tried to uh, cut back and remove 12,000 public servant positions, uh, there needs to be a crucial breaking point where the workforce uh, is, is where the government admits that the more public servants cannot contribute to more efficient running of Queensland. How many? How much more? If you add another hundred thousand on top of that, four hundred thousand would it change anything? I mean, one in six people work for the government in that state. That's outrageous. You could just imagine the waste that goes on in there. And of course, the government uh, in Queensland. Uh, as a result, is racking up a massive amount of debt. Queensland has a projected debt by 2026 of an eye-watering $150 billion. Well, of course, that's because Queensland is becoming a bit of a social, socialist state. How much money does it take to feed all these public servants? They, they love creating portfolios, ministries. Uh, they love uh, creating inefficiency and Unless Queenslanders are happy with that, something needs to change. Uh, at the end of the day, I believe that uh, there is a chance for One Nation, uh, but they're going to have to get their act together. I really would hope Bob Catter, One Nation, a few other minor parties can do something. Uh, but it is a bit of a nasty situation. And is it up to the Liberal National Party to make a difference? Is it up for them to find a solution to cut back on public servants without feeling the wrath of those public servants. You can imagine that those public servants are very heavily pro-Labor as they've been working and being paid by Labor government who enjoys feeding uh, its colleagues, feeding its employees uh, with outrageously high salaries. Uh, and this was all exasperated during the COVID times where public servants were exempt from those restrictions and lockdowns and the uh, normal people out there, the average mums and dads are copying the brunt of it. So that's the outlook for Queensland with this new premier. Uh, the election is only 10 months away. Let's hope that uh, early on the minor parties can get their act together and launch a coherent, uh, organized and good election uh, bid coming up in that election. It'd be nice to see a bit of change. But at the moment, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the LNP are hot favourites, $1.35, $101 to one for One Nation. What do you think, Dean? Pretty good odds? I, I think they're going to be helped along by Stephen Miles. I think him trying to hit these targets over the next uh, 10 months is going to uh, push a lot of people over to the right-hand side of the political spectrum. Mate, you said that one in six of people are now working in the public service, but I would argue that with all these subsidies for their renewable targets and all them being jobs that have been created through public money that's been borrowed uh, for this climate hoax, uh, mate, it probably is much higher than that when you look at these jobs that wouldn't exist if it wasn't for this uh, these renewable targets. It really is quite frightening. Mate, uh, hopefully next week we can talk about and I really do want to have a chat about um, Vladimir Putin and some of the questions that he was asked in his epic marathon that he does annually, because I'm really am keen on that, mate. Thank you heaps as well uh, for keeping us up to date. What's happening in Queensland? I think we're going to be missing 
uh, Anastasia Palaszczuk, and I, and I don't say that as a joke. Mate, this guy is far worse from what I can see. He's not waiting. He's not going to waste a second, and he's going to utilise that 10 months to uh, get us into a tremendous amount of debt. And as you said, uh, well and truly on target to meet the debt target, and that's about it. That's about all he's going to accomplish. Ozzy Kozak, a.k.a. Simeon Boykov, and I thank you uh, for being on the program. Of course, you'll be on over the weekend, so people tune in uh, Saturday evening for the Aussie Kozak here at TNT Radio. Simeon, we'll catch you on Monday. Thanks, Dane. Thank you. Uh, we'll be back after the news headlines with Red Reverend Dr. Michael Sutton. TNT Radio News. We are, we are your station for news. News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. The White House has confirmed President Biden was well aware of his son Hunter's plan to ignore this week's congressional subpoena. Donald Trump has accused President Biden of riding on the coattails of his success in the White House. We're now being told that we as humans are worsening the impacts of climate change simply by breathing. And as the war in Ukraine enters its 660th day, Russia claims to have thwarted yet another drone strike on Moscow. The common housefly, caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNTradio.live. And welcome back to the program. My next guest is Reverend Dr. Michael Sutton. He has been a political economist, a professor, a priest, a pastor, and now a publisher. He is the CEO of Freedom Matters Today, looking at freedom from a Christian perspective. And you can get that on the web, by the way, uh, freedommatterstoday.com. Check that out as well. Uh, Now, believe it or not, and I was just saying quickly to Michael off air, these people really hate us. And how do you know that? Because when they do a a study that basically says that us breathing is, you know, contributing to the climate, to the downturn of the earth, to uh, they really don't want us to breathe. So I don't know what I can take from that, but I'm going to uh, ask an expert. I'm going to ask Reverend Dr. Michael Sutton for his commentary. G'day, Michael. Welcome to the program. Oh, g'day, Dean. Thanks for the invite. Great to be here. Hey, what can you take away from that? I mean, someone that would do a study that comes out with the fact that us breathing is toxic to the planet, something that we've done and other animals have done for uh, uh, eons, but why would you even release a study like this? There's not much we can do about it, is it? Well, the funny thing is, it, is it goes against all the medical advice that we should actually breathe deeply. Um, and, you know, we we often breathe in a shallow way, but we need to breathe deeply, and that's actually good for our health and good for the environment. So my feeling is, if breathing deeply is good for you, then it must be good for the environment, because we're part of the environment, right? So, um, and if you play a woodwind instrument, or if you are a runner or a cyclist or whatever, you need to breathe deeply. And without breath, there's no life because breathing goes right to the heart of what it means to be human. And so why this study is important is because it's attacking our integrity as human beings. Without breath, there's no life. And so without breathing, we can't exist. And this study is bizarre in a way because it's part of this, as you know, uh, Dean, this climate hysteria that they they know that Fossil fuels are going to be with us for a long time to come. China and India are still using fossil fuels and they're not going to change their their tune anytime soon. 
and they're still building power stations and so on. And so they're getting more and more desperate. And this study is part of this sort of climate hysteria, attacking what it means to be human. And also another aspect, as you know, of climate change uh, hysteria is to promote sense of guilt and self-loathing, that we're supposed to feel guilty that we're alive. We should feel guilty that we're enjoying life. We should feel guilty that we're um, in, uh, in, in, a, in, our, in our world. And that really goes against what it means to be human. And if you look from a Christian point of view, that God created this world good. It's a good yeah. world. Uh, right. And even though even though Sid marred the world, it's still a beautiful place. I mean, after this interview, I'm going to the beach. And Sydney beaches are beautiful. And you breathe in that beautiful air. It's good for the lungs. It's good for the family. It's good for the body. And we're being told that, that our life is a terrible thing. And we should feel guilty about living our life. And we should feel a sense of self-loathing. And I think that this study is designed to promote a sense of self-loathing and it's ironic that it's come out at, at this time of year uh, christmas time is a time where we come together as families and friends we worship together we reflect we ponder about um about god about faith and we're being told no 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 you should feel guilty at christmas you should feel guilty when you go to the supermarket you should feel guilty when you catch up with your friends because every breath you make is contributing to the uh, detriment, uh, to the decline of the planet. But the opposite's true because uh, breath is fundamental to the human experience. And interestingly, from um, if you look at the word uh, breath in Hebrew, uh, ruah, it's it's the idea of um, life as well and the spirit. And so the idea that the the spirit of God is the breath of God. And I think too, there's also this subtle attack on. on I'm just hoping we can get uh, Michael back. We seem to be having a problem with his connection. While we do that, I'll just quickly talk about, you know, guilt and self-loathing very much sounds like something that you would get from people such as the left. Now, we do need to get to our news headlines. We'll do that. On the other side, we'll see if we can reconnect. I will just have a quick break and we'll be back. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Stop letting leftists set the agenda. Stop letting them turn nothing burgers into the most pressing issues of the day. Stop letting them use words like inclusion, equity, fairness, and diversity as cudgels to beat you into submission. Stop bowing, stop scraping, stop bending the knee, and stop giving them what they desire, an abject apology, assuring them that they'll get their way and everything will be fine. Because it won't be fine. That won't be the last complaint. Every time you submit to them, you encourage them. You give them more fuel for their next attack. And it will go on for decades. The Onondaga Nation complained to Syracuse University about the Saltine Warrior mascot in 1978. And here we are, 45 years later, the Onondaga Nation is complaining to Liverpool High School about using Warriors as their athletic mascot. For 45 years it was fine, but now all of a sudden in 2023 it's not. Stop giving in to this culture of destruction. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Here's a bushfire fact. Bushfires can occur without warning. So if you're traveling during bushfire season, here are three simple steps to remember. One, check the fire danger rating before you go. 
The higher the fire danger rating, the more dangerous the conditions. It may be safer to replan your trip. 2. Think about the area you're going to and what you would do if a fire started. How would you escape the area if you needed to? And where would you go? Check if there's a neighbourhood safer place. 3. It's dangerous to drive through smoke or fire. If you can't find a way to avoid the fire, park in a cleared area, face the car towards the fire and turn the engine off. Then lie on the floor and cover yourself to protect yourself from radiant heat. Live bushfire ready. For more helpful tips, visit myfireplan.com.au today. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Welcome back to the program, lead singer of Sting, a.k.a. Uh, sorry, of the police, I should say, Sting, a.k.a. Gordon Sumner. Every step you take, every breath you make, they'll be watching you. And certainly that's what they're doing, according to this new study. Uh, we've got Dr. Reverend Dr. Michael Sutton back on the phone this time. Uh, hey, Michael, how are you going? Good, thanks. Hey, yeah, we were just... Uh, uh, I was having a, a bit of a joke uh, at the expense of uh, the police. The you know every step you take, every breath you make, you know, or however that goes. But they really are keeping an eye on us. They don't like us breathing or contributing methane or nitrous oxide. Uh, in and that's not just humans. That would be animals as well in this study, wouldn't it? That's right. I think there's a very pernicious agenda at work here. There is, there is on one on the one hand, there's the uh, the reality that. A lot of there's a pushback against climate hysteria from the from the developing world, from India and China and so on. But in our own countries, it doesn't mean that the insanity won't get pushed forward in terms of more regulations and more uh, taxes from the government, climate change taxes and so on. So I think that's really where the battle is going to be fought in Australia, in in America, in the West, and this insanity where where as, as you say, every breath you take, every step you you make. Uh, they'll be watching us, and but they'll be taxing us. That's the other thing, they'll be taxing us. And if you go right back to the ancient times, they used to have the, the window tax in Britain where um, the more windows you had, the more taxes you had to pay, and therefore poor people didn't have enough money to uh, pay the tax, and so they lived in squalor and poverty and died young. And so um, this new version of maybe we'll tax the, uh, the breathing, tax our breathing rate, how are they going to calculate that? Um, well, give them give them time. If you remember COVID hysteria, they were able to produce these bizarre documents which um, checked uh, every movement, the 1.5 rule. Do you remember the, the the number of people were allowed at certain public meetings, 10 people oh, yes. here, 5 people there? This insanity is, is easy to create when you have these kind of crazy bureaucrats in charge. And uh, all they need is the political will and some um, fascist in, in power and, you know, who <laughs> knows? We'd have to look that far to find a few of those guys uh, in in uh, um, in government at the moment. And uh, the, the the challenge for us today is is not really what's happening overseas in the developing world or in, in India and China and so on. Um, they have a lot more common sense than we do. But the challenge oh, yes. is for us to to really uh, to fight back against any of this nonsense being implemented here because uh, it'll it'll affect the vulnerable. It'll affect the um, the weak, the poor, the sick. In fact, in fact, promoting the idea that breathing is bad is actually really bad for your health. And because you do need to breathe, we need to breathe. We need to breathe deeply. We need to have a good sense of breath in our life. And this really goes, is really an attack upon our human nature and our, and our freedoms. Freedom to breathe 
Who would have thought today we would have had um, this nonsense? We are, we are no longer free to breathe. Um, it's quite crazy, I think. Well, Michael, I've, I've heard it said before, we're already paying to drink water. How long before we have to pay to breathe the air? And you've got to ask this question. I mean, is it really about the climate? Because it must be about money. Because if it was about the climate, why would countries like Australia continue to export coal to countries like That's China? Right. We would just stop outright, That's wouldn't right. we, if we were, the, if we were Absolutely. serious? Absolutely. Well, the, the classic case is, the, is why we don't have nuclear power in this country, and the argument is it's bad for the environment. But at the same time, we're exporting all the uranium to every country in the world. So <laughs> we don't have a problem with exporting all the uranium, but we can't actually use the, the uranium we're exporting because that's bad for the environment. You're right. It, the money imperative is, is there. But and, my, and Michael, my concern, it, yeah. it, it gets worse because not only will we export that uranium, we'll actually allow them to bury the waste here in Australia when they won't do it in their own countries. That's right. That's right. We're, we're doing it for the environment, of course. Um, but but the hypocrisy of it is, uh, Dean, is that that I, I particularly at this time of year when we have bushfires and when we have summer, and uh, it's not a good time for elderly people, for vulnerable people. And my concern is that is that people who um, uh, I don't know I don't know what generation it would be, maybe a younger generation more susceptible to this environmental ideology might read this article and, and have a very different attitude and they might think, well, what you and I are thinking and probably most of the TNT listeners are thinking this is complete nonsense, but there's an increasing number of people out there who listen to this and read this stuff and they think, it's right, it's right, we are bad for the environment, we are negative and we need to really confront this nonsense because human, human life is a wonderful thing, uh, it's a beautiful thing, we're made in the image of God. And anyone to say we're not made in the image of God, this is really an attack upon what it means to be human, an attack upon what it means to be alive. And that's why this, this article and articles like it really are quite pernicious, because they undermine the dignity of the human being and the human spirit. And, and Michael, I think at the end of the day, that's part of their agenda. They're certainly uh, going all out. To do all we, um, you know, all that they are. I spoke to a terrific fellow named Bernard Gaynor yesterday, and we were talking about, you know, children and how you can prevent them from being indoctrinated by the media and believing this kind of rubbish. And uh, I think it does come down to good parenting, to having faith, and um, you know, doing all the right things and ignoring the the narrative. Uh, Reverend Doctor Michael Sutton, I've run out of time. I very much appreciate you coming on. I do apologise for the technical difficulties. Would have been nice to have a couple more minutes with you, but of course we can do it again real soon. So, mate, I look forward to that. Thanks, Dean. Thanks for the privilege. God bless. Thank you. That is, thank you too. That is the Reverend Dr. Michael Sutton. We're going to get straight to our regular Friday guest and TGIF. You know it's Friday when we get to chat with Omar Khan, global consultant to the stars. How are you, my friend? Very well. Very well. Good conversation. Mate, it, it was a good conversation, mate. Can you believe that? They now are telling us that when we, you know, exhale nitrous oxide, methane, bad. They must want us all gone. They, we already know they want the cows gone. So I guess we're next. Well, you see, the, the problem is the word bad is a normative word, and they just brandish it, brandish it about as if they owned <laughs> the theological right to assert good and bad. But this is something, if you went back to the ancient Greeks, uh, this was hotly debated matter as to what is good and what is not good. So it is just their philosophical fatuousness, and we shouldn't let them get away with it. Mate, well, let's hope they don't. 
And speaking of not letting them get away with it, what about over in the UK, this COVID inquiry that's happening at, happening at the moment? Is it all just a charade? Do you think they're going to get to the crux of the matter or do you think it's all just no, a show? It, 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 it's a sham. Uh, there's six modules of surpassing ineptitude, camouflage um, and bloviation. Um, they are now claiming that Neil Ferguson, uh, Dr. Doom, um, did not ever recommend lockdown. Wow. Uh, now, how you can say that with a straight face, um, they say uh, Sir Chris Whitty, uh, not very witty, but there he is, uh, says that scientific advice could not be responsible for lockdown because a scientific committee would not make such a major social intervention, he says, without this being requested by a senior politician. So and they're just I'm wondering. Well, I'm sure it was. They're just reinventing. Sorry? They're just reinventing reality. We we were all there. Yeah. We remember. Yeah, yeah. We saw it in real time. Plus, who is to say a senior politician didn't request it? <laughs> right. I mean, the, this presupposes that uh, church and state were kept separate, and I don't believe they were. I think they went and gathered up all of their, um, you know, henchmen, all of the people who would read from their hymnal uh, and let deplatform the rest and, you know, gave the megaphones to these people. I mean, let's not forget that um, our friend, Mr. Ferguson, um, said that an unmitigated epidemic would lead to 510,000 deaths in Great Britain alone. Now, Thank tell you. me how that is not an argument for lockdown. And this was, and he said uh, that this could be reduced um, not by mitigation, but by the suppression of COVID 19 by massive restrictions on human contact. What does that sound like to you? <laughs> it, it sounds, sounds I mean, like it, you know, it's lockdown Germany by another name, like. right? Yep. Yeah. Um, not to be outdone, there is a bit of. Um, chagrin at Boris's testimony as well. Um, you know, Boris likes to strut out his Oxford credentials. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, he likes to wear a mask of seriousness. Um, and somebody said that he suffers from a case of not long COVID, but long facetiousness. <laughs> um, <laughs> which I think is the... Uh, which is great. He cites John Stuart Mill because whenever you can't have an argument yourself, you find some venerable philosopher and put your misdeeds into his mouth, so to speak. And so he says, John Stuart Mill um, on liberty and blah, 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 blah. Well, John Stuart Mill said, if all mankind minus one person were of one opinion and only one person were of the contrary opinion, Mankind would be no, no more justified in silencing that one person than if he had the power would be justified in silencing mankind. Yeah. Um, however, he did say that power can only be exercised against someone's will to prevent harm to others. That's the slippery slope. John Stuart Mill, writing when he did in harm, meant literal harm. Yeah i.e. somebody's about to pull a gun out and shoot you, or somebody, um, you know, or musk, whatever he had in his day, or somebody's going to pull out a sword, or somebody's yeah. going to 
to do something, that's the harm he meant, that you yeah. can interfere somebody's will. He wasn't talking about opinions of harm. He wasn't talking about microaggressions. He wasn't talking about woke sophistries and that how somebody could appoint themselves as a censor uh, to do that. So when he cites John Stuart Mill, um, Mill has been co-opted by other totalitarians who say, well, we're doing it to avoid harm. You know, that's why we're doing that as John Stuart Mill recommended. I don't think he recommended anything of the sort. Uh, but the problem is that that harm clause is like a trap door um, around your neck because every clown denigrator of human liberty will use it. It always opens, you know, on command. I, so um, I think Boris citing that is very disingenuous, to say the uh, least. Mate, how's the media over in the UK, now that they're following this, I'm guessing they're not holding them much to account. Uh, they're going to play along with the narrative and say, well, that's been, we've been there, we've done that, and it's settled. With, you know, we've settled the whole matter. Let's move on. Uh, or are there some in the media who are calling the question, much of which you and I would? Yeah, you know, I think um, there are papers like The Telegraph, as you know, that occasionally, um, you know, let's rip. We know that they're very wonderful, you yeah. know, yeah, very occasionally. But when they do, you know, uh, we know that, um, you know, we know that uh, there are people like GB News, of course, I mean, they're on our, in our camp very yeah. solidly. Yep. Uh, I mean, they're one of us, but, uh, you know, I'm just looking at the daily news roundup um, here on uh, the Daily Skeptic, and it's Telegraph, Telegraph, GB News, Telegraph, um, and Substacks. So I think the answer, um, you know, to your question of, you know, what is... Um, you know, what is uh, suitable um, in terms of reporting, uh, that I think has not, uh, has not nudged at all. And I he, mean, they are avoiding desperately now, here's anything counter-narrative. Here's a question. Are the questions being posed at this inquiry, are they asking any of the tough questions or are the questions basically all pre-selected? Well, I think the issue is that, one, the questions are softball, as we say in the United yeah. States. There's no hardball being played. That's what I thought, yeah. But I think, secondly, people are allowed to meander and prevaricate and not answer questions. I mean, gone are the days when you had this wonderful UK show called, um, you know, a hard talk, well, no, question time, uh, question time or whatever it was. Uh, we had one in the US called hard talk for some time. And there you could actually see somebody would ask, ask a follow-up and they'd ask a follow-up to the follow-up. Yeah. You know, and people yeah, weren't allowed just to yeah. go in. Yes, they delved and they held to account the inanities and, you know, the lack of logic. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, today, it's just here. Let me let you speak. Here, let me throw you a softball and you give your pen um and, and it's, it's really ridiculous. Um, and I think the, um, you know, Spiked is another one, right? Spiked is another one um, in the UK. 
if, if your listeners aren't aware of uh, or viewers aren't aware of it, uh, which is a wonderful sort of uh, journal. And uh, they have some good writers on there. Um, I don't know. Are you familiar with that yourself? I only just heard about them for the first time about two weeks ago. Um, are they relatively new or have they been around for a number of years? And now only they've just been now around throughout the, the whole COVID nonsense. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, they have, um, you know, writers on there that, you know, people recognize like Brendan O'Neill, um, who writes in other uh, outlets as yeah. well. But, uh, you know, they talk about the, I'm just looking here, they're talking about the Green Agenda why the Tories are toast, um, why Nicola Sturgeon is still haunting Scotland. <laughs> well, she is, um, you know, and why everyone still listens to the ex-New Zealand premier, I don't understand. Oh, I mean, she idea. presided over the destruction of her country, her economy, with some of the worst COVID results, having been prophylactically sealed for so long. And she still says we'll tell you what's right we'll tell you what's safe wow and it's like when did the seat of judgment pass to you young lady it's amazing what's happened over there we've got her we've got all but one of our premiers here in australia all those who were very much on board with the lockdowns the mandates and whatnot and they're all off they're all off they've all resigned you know mid-term or you know some at the beginning of their uh, subsequent terms believe it or not and they're all off to better jobs better paid jobs higher more oh, sure. influence i would i would think more influence on a global scale some of them well i i don't even know you see because all these people then try to sound like statesmen uh, or, you know, folks who love humanity when they are discharged from any real responsibility. Having once sold your yeah. soul, uh, it becomes, you know, a habit. Um, I mean, and then you have people like, you know, Macron and others. Uh, he got a rare defeat, rejecting his immigration law by a vote of 270 to 265. He was trying to expel more undocumented migrants and improving integration. So for once, a bill that might have been sane. Yeah. That's where he gets defeated. Um, he doesn't get defeated on stripping liberties and shutting down the country uh, no. or, you know, mask edicts, but on something like that. Um, but I think maybe it's a sign. Macron is weak. The UK premier is weak. Um, the US is, of course, right now in thrall to election season. Uh, as we said, between, you know, the psychopath and the dementia patient, the um, it's all that could be rummaged up uh, in that, that. Why isn't there some kind of age restriction? I, I know Churchill and others stand out as a uh, or maybe even FDR. But yeah. it, shouldn't there be some limit when you're past 80 that you don't well, need mean, to run the free world? It should at least be like a driver's license where after a certain age, you've got to go and do a test every two or three years to see if you are able. If you, can't drive, if, if, you, if you can't drive a car, if you're not cog cognitive enough to drive a car, you certainly can't run the free world like Joe Biden. But there he is. Omar Khan, it's that time. We've got to go. We've only got a few seconds. And I always appreciate you, as do the TNT audience at large, uh, when you come on of a Friday afternoon. And I look forward to chatting again next week. Yep, look forward to it. All Hope the very best. Hope you have a terrific weekend. And you too, but you're sticking around. Come back. We're going to be back after the news headlines here at TNT Radio.